Lord, as we open your word and share your word, Lord, as Andrew speaks, I pray, God, that there be a real sense that you're speaking to us personally. Lord, we just want to be ready to receive everything that you would want to say. Lord, encourage us by your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Andrew. All right, we are um, we're landing today. We're landing. We're, we've spent, um, I think, since March, maybe late March. We've been unpacking our, our mission statement as, as a church, and um, you'd be aware of that. And you know, we had that block of Easter in between, but you can see it on the screen there that that we're partnering with God. That Jesus said He will build His church. And we partner with that by powering people according to gifting. And we unpack that and, and then we stepped into what it looks like to equip people for works of service. And then once those blocks are in place, it's how do we encourage people to go for it? And over the last couple of weeks, Carol two weeks ago shared this beautiful picture of the, the best encouragement we can have is in our personal relationship with God. And mostly that's done through this prayer, this conversational prayer. God's talking to us, us talking to God, having this conversational relationship where God can encourage us to step into all that he's asked us to step into. Then Keith last week looked at this idea of how key relationships such as mentoring or accountability or, or prayer triplets, whatever we want, to, we want to call them, those things can provide an environment where encouragement can take place. And so stepping out of that, I want to finish this whole series around our mission statement with how do we build up a culture of encouragement across our church, where the culture that people step into is one where they notice encouragement, they receive encouragement, and they're able to give encouragement. And um, I think it's something that we all need, whether you're aware of it or not. We all need it. So I want to unpack that a little bit today. Um, so our mission statement is about what we do. It's what we do. It's the things that, if someone goes, uh, you're part of that church, well, what do you just do there? Now, maybe you don't need to recite the mission statement at that point, but there's something in, in, in the mix of, well, what we do is we... We understand, we accept people, we see them for how God's gifted them, we equip them to step into that in, in, a, in a fullness, and we, and we just give encouragement to live this life that God's called us to live. Now, that's the picture, that's what we actually do. And uh, I just imagine what it would look like if every single one of us was on board with that. Now, I'm not implying that we're not, but if every one of us had that intentionality that as you step into church life, and it's so much more than a Sunday morning gathering, as you step into church life with an intention that part of my role in this is to give encouragement to others. And why I would do that is because I know I need it for myself. So I'm treating others the way I would want to be treated. I'm stepping into this place where I know it's actually hard to live this Christian life. And I need people speaking courage into me to do that, and I want to do the same for them. And that's the sort of picture we're looking at. So I wanted to, I wanted to just sit in a passage of Scripture to, to unpack this. And I wrestled with this, actually. I thought, where do I go? God, just 
land me somewhere. And um, you know, as you read through the New Testament particularly, um, I spend probably more time in the Gospels than anywhere else. Um, as Matt just referenced, I just want to know the person of Jesus better and better. Um, but a lot of the writings, a lot of the Paul's writings in particular to, to many of the churches, the early churches, have this flavour of encouragement. And, th- and that makes sense in the context where these churches were starting in first century Roman Empire, life was hard. And you needed to be encouraged in that space. Um, and, and I read through the letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and basically... There's a couple of main themes in that letter, but one main theme is, uh, is encouragement. And so I just want to sit in the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning and just pull a few things out of that for us. So Paul, uh, when you actually read it, it's Paul and Silas and Timothy um, are, are writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And um, this place, uh, it's one of the places they'd visit on Paul's missionary journeys and they'd set up a church there. And after a few weeks being with the people who were part of this church, they were basically forced out by by the Jews. The Jews really um, didn't like what they were doing and a lot of the really religious Jews forced them out of town. And so not long after being forced out, Paul had this sense, along with Silas and Timothy, that these guys need encouragement, we need to write to them. And so they write this letter... Uh, where it was about encouraging the believers to remain faithful. It was about watching out for false teachers, people who are going to come in and, and twist what was already told to them about what the gospel is. And it was also about giving assurance of the resurrection life we have with Jesus. And so they were the sort of the main themes. And so we've got this community of people who needed courage to live into this. Now, this is this pretty new thing. Mostly a Jewish um, community. It's, it's you know, Thessalonica is in what we would call Greece today, but it was part of the Roman area called Macedonia at the time. And, and a lot of Jewish people, but a lot of Gentiles and a lot of Greeks and some Romans there as well. And in that place, they needed encouragement to live into this new thing that said, Jesus is Lord. They needed encouragement to be in that place. And he knew that they needed encouragement because they were going to be persecuted if they were to stand and say, Jesus is Lord. There would be persecution for that. And so, and also the hope that, um, that, that Jesus is going to return and, and the kingdom is going to be fulfilled. And they were living in that hope and they needed encouragement to live into that because as they looked around at what day-to-day life was like, it would be easy to suggest, oh, I can't see it happening. So with all that in mind... I'm just going, well, how does this apply to us? What is it that you need encouragement for? What is it that you need some courage to stand in? What do we need courage for to be a follower of Jesus in 2019 in Australia? What about your workplace? What about your family? Where are those places where you need courage to actually stand in your convictions that I am a follower of Jesus, that Jesus is who he says he is and he's done what he said he's done and I want to give my life to that? And there's people all around us who don't support that, don't agree with that, think it's a fairy tale. 
all of us need courage to step into this place. So there's four things I want to pull out for us. Four things. First one, I reckon they and we need courage to live a life in such a way that we, that we reflect Jesus to those around us. We need courage to do that. Look at what Paul says in, in chapter 2 of this letter. He says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. That's a great picture. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. In the message it says this, With each of you we were like a father with his child, holding your hand. I can, just imagine, I can remember when I was teaching my girls to ride their bikes. It was like this holding their hand, holding the back of the seat, whispering encouragement. You can do this. Step by step, showing how to live well before God. We need people to encourage us to step into that space. How do we live life in such a way that we reflect Jesus to those around us? Because the easy thing for me, the default position is, I will look like everyone else around me and I'll turn up here on Sunday. And no one knows the difference, and I'm known as a nice person, but so is the bloke in the office next to me, and so is the person I commute with, and so is the guy I play sport with on the weekend. They're all nice people as well. What's the difference? Because there is a difference, and we're actually called to live into this place where we are ambassadors for Christ, where we carry the nature and the character of Jesus with us wherever we go. Where we respond to situations in a Christ-like manner, not in the way that the rest of our society might respond. I need courage to live like that. I need you people to speak into my life to help me to do that consistently and regularly. And I want to do that for you. Second point, I think courage is needed to face trials and persecution which will come our way in life. Courage is needed to face the trials and the persecution which will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. Paul says this, he says to the church, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled in these trials. For you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. Now, our temptation sometimes is that sitting in Central Coast Australia pretty much white middle class, there's no persecution. I'm not being persecuted for being a Christian. I'm not experiencing that. My life's not at risk. My job's not at risk. wonder if Israel Folau feels like that. Where, where's this heading? Where's our society heading? If you've if you got your finger on the pulse with any of it, it is getting harder to be a Christian in our society. It will become harder to stand as a Christian in our society. 
we need to expect that. And when that is our reality, how do we speak courage into one another to stand into that? When trials come, a broken relationship, physical health deteriorates or is gone, loss of job, loss of housing, any of these trials that come along, how do we stand in that knowing that God is who he says he is and he's done what he said he's done and his love for us is unconditional and his spirit will never leave us? How do we stand in those places and encourage one another with those truths when the messiness of life is happening? If we're not in community doing that, how do you stand? How do you cope? If we isolate ourselves as Christians, as followers of Jesus, where is that support coming from? Thirdly, I think courage is needed to live in the reality of expecting Christ's return and the promise of eternal life with him. I love reading the, the, the letters through the New Testament where 2,000 years ago, they were expecting Christ would turn up any day now. Any day now. Get ready. And I reckon we can become a bit complacent because now we're sitting 2,000 years on from that going, well, it hasn't happened yet, so it probably won't happen in my lifetime. So what I'll spend my life doing is accumulating things getting the nicer houses and the nice cars and the nice toys and all this, because that's what everyone else does around me. That's what life's about. And we lose this sense of urgency that, that Christ is coming back. We just sang about it earlier. In that song, you know, I believe that Jesus will come again. Do we live like we believe that? Listen to some of the things Paul has to remind this church of. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Some, just some nice euphemisms in here. You know? Those who have fallen asleep. So those who've died... According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Here's a reality and a truth of Jesus being who he said he is and what, done what he said he's done. The truth is Jesus is returning and Jesus will gather all those who, who have died and knew him and who are still living when he returns and gather them to himself. Now, there's some figurative language in here and some you know, nice, nice language, and, and it's not necessarily about unpacking theologically this is exactly how it will happen, but the truth is Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. Encourage one another with these words. Why? Because we can start to forget that Jesus is returning 
And by default, we start living like the culture around us. Whereas we come back to the first encouragement, we need to be encouraged to live in a way that reflects Jesus in our world. And we're not reflecting Jesus when we're living like everybody else around us. Like the dominant culture around us. Where it's self-focused. Where it's all about me. It's all about my needs, my wants, my desires, my experiences. A little bit further, same topic going on from the message. Paul says, God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. And whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we're alive with him. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be in this together. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. I don't know about you, but I need encouragement in that space. And the fourth one I want to touch on is courage is needed to live with each other in community in a way that aligns with the will of God for our lives. Courage is needed to live with each other in community in a way that aligns with the will of God in our lives. So as Paul's encouraged in this letter, and as he's dealt with some of the false teachings they've got to be aware of, and as he's, as he's dealt with the reality that Jesus is returning and hang on to that, he gives some practical advice on how do you live together in this space. Live in peace with each other. Notice it doesn't say, if it suits you, if it's convenient, if you feel like it. Live at peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters... Warn those who are idle and disruptive. When I stepped out of ministry at the end of 2015 and went back to Greenpoint for a couple of years, in 2016, I had this thinking in my head that said, I'm no longer on the ministry team. I don't have to be at church every week. I don't have to be at church every service that happens. And so I chose not to be. And I reckon it was about two-thirds of the way through 2016 and Tanya and I looked at each other and said, man, we feel disconnected. We feel like we've lost contact. We feel like we're not being encouraged. We feel like this is not how it's supposed to be for us. But in that, and this is not a slight against anyone at all, but I didn't really have anyone encourage me to step back in more consistently. I wish I did. I was being idle. I was like, I don't have to do that, so I'm going to choose not to do that. But it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for us. It wasn't good for our family. And so we realised that, thankfully, and had to step back in. 
wanted to step back in. Warn those who are disruptive. We often avoid conflict. We often avoid hard conversations. But for those who are being disruptive to the community, we need to address that. We need to stand on that. We need to call it for what it is. And do it in a way that encourages people to see that there's a better way. There's a better way. It's not about me judging you. It's not about me being better than you. But it's about God's called us to live to this. Let's not live down here. Encourage the disheartened. I think if we're honest this morning, and I got you to put your hand up, if you're feeling a little bit disheartened, we would be absolutely shocked, I think, at the number of hands that would go up, if we were truly honest. It's why we need to be aside with one another. We need to walk with one another. We need to encourage. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Not just those who it's convenient. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So for each other is for the community of believers and for everyone else is those wider than that. That's what we're called to do. And then rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I could spend a couple of weeks unpacking that, but we don't have time. Can I encourage you? It'll take you 20 minutes to read through 1 Thessalonians sometime this afternoon. Can I encourage you to do that? Maybe spend the week in it. And so we need courage to actually live in community in a way that, that honours God and it's part of his will for us. And, and if we're not doing that well, that's when we rely on one another to step into that space. That you can pick me up when I fall and I can pick you up when you fall and we can be a shoulder to cry on for each other and we can have disagreement in the middle of that and we can, we can have all that, but we do it in a way where there's love and respect and there's honour and we're understanding what God's calling us to and we're understanding that we are, we are asked to obey what he's calling us to, not be selective in our obedience. There's so much in this. Anyway, what was the result of all this? I just want to touch on... Yeah, the fruit of living like this in the next letter to this church, listen to what it says. At the start of chapter 1 in the next letter, Paul says, you need to know, friends, that thanking God over and over for you is not only a pleasure, it's a must. We have to do it. Your faith is growing phenomenally. Your love for each other is developing wonderfully. Why? It's only right that we give thanks. We're so proud of you. You're so steady and determined in your faith despite all the hard times that have come down on you. We tell everyone we meet in the churches all about you. I love that picture. When we actually step in and we empower and equip and encourage with intention, the result is that we become, just like our vision for our church is, a community that's actually healthy, growing and full of love. And we can see that right there. Your faith is growing. Your love is developing wonderfully. That's the fruit of stepping into doing what we are called to do as our mission. And it's a wonderful picture. So we need one another. Whether you like that or not, we need one another. 
And we've mentioned this many times, that God places the body together just as he wants it to be. It's not a mistake you're part of this community. It's not a mistake that you are unique compared to everybody else in this community. Because we need that. We need one another. We need encouragement from one another to follow Jesus. We need people to speak the truth to us in love. We need to be reminded of God's faithfulness when it's tough. To stand with us when we fall, we need one another. To point out that love, God's love is unconditional. That his unconditional love is actually dependent on who he is, not on my behaviour. And we need to encourage each other to keep going. So what role will you play in making our mission statement more than a mission statement, more than a thing on a piece of paper? What role can you and I play where it's actually a lived reality for us that this community is a community where God calls us to live like this and we step into it together with intention, where we are so focused on encouraging, placing courage into one another because we know that life can be hard to live. Life as a follower of Jesus can be difficult. But we can support one another in it. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that that we have a picture through your word, not just in this letter to the Thessalonians, but right through your word where, where you are a God of encouragement. You place courage in us because you know that we need that. That's how we're wired. We can easily become fearful. We can easily become afraid and timid. We can listen to voices that are not your voice and not the truth of what you've said and who you are. And so in all those spaces, God, can you just help us? Would you help us? Would you just bring to mind what I can do personally, what each of us can do personally? in terms of speaking courage, placing courage, walking alongside one another with intention. Holy Spirit, would you be at work in this place even now and, and bring to mind people, situations that we can step into so we can actually do this? That's not something we have in theory, but it's something we practice. God, would you help us in this place? We want to be a community that honours you, that loves you, that shows others what you are truly like, that you are a good, loving God. May that be our, our experience. May that be what we pass on to one another. May that be the flavour of who we are and what we're about so that you would have the glory. Amen. Amen.